Sound Space, brought to you by Spectrum Life, bringing you real life, real conversation, and real advice from the best in class experts across all areas of physical and mental well being. Join our host weekly and learn how to improve and reflect on your well being. Hello and welcome to this episode with me, Jack Kavanagh. Today we are joined by Connor Devine. Businessman, plant-based Ironman triathlete, author, innovator and single dad of two, Connor has his plate full and he does all of this whilst living alongside MS. Connor has exemplified the power of hope in times of uncertainty, the importance of attitude in first surviving and later thriving, and the art of building resilience mentally, emotionally, and physically through lifestyle medicine. We'll be discussing lifestyle medicine, Connor's story, and tips along the way for changing not only your mindset for the better, but empowering your environment and other tips to do with your health. It's important to note that following his diagnosis with MS, Connor, under the supervision of a medical team, followed a more traditional treatment approach, later bringing in elements of lifestyle medicine, including a plant-based diet and more extensive exercise regime as important parts of his therapeutic approach. It was later that after extensive research, Connor made the decision to pursue that route in favour of the more traditional treatment options. Whilst diet and exercise are important for us all, we encourage you to liaise with your medical team before making any changes to your own treatment approaches in any ailments or conditions you may be engaged with in your own life. Connor's journey is just that, his own, and it's important that you treat your own journey in a similar fashion. This is a fascinating look into Connor's life and the approach he has taken to his journey with MS. Enjoy. Connor Devine, you are very welcome to the podcast. How are you? I'm very good, Jackie. The sun is shining. We're in a mini heat wave here in Belfast and I'm delighted to be speaking to you. Yeah, it's an absolute pleasure. And, um, you know, I'm always fascinated when I get the opportunity to chat to you because look we've become friends over the years but every time I come away from a conversation with you I find it insightful and I'm definitely inspired in way in ways and new ways to take on steps in my own life um to give people a high level overview you know Connor Devine is a businessman you are a plant-based athlete you're an author you're an innovator you're interested in in politics and sustainability and in finances um you're a single dad of two amazing young kids and you do all of this whilst living alongside ms and i think it's an incredible story as to what is possible with the right approach to our health and how we show up for ourselves really and to building resilience on an ongoing basis so there's just a little bit to unpack there isn't there 
Yeah. Well, um, there is, you know, but I suppose I'm, I'm personally really interested in human behavior and philosophy and trying to understand why people do the things they do. And I've always been a really curious person. So the way I sort of look at my life now is I think I'm, I'm really, really fortunate. And I'm at a stage in my life because I think each of us, depending on where we are and age has a role to play, we all are in different stages of life. And for me, I'm talking to you today, I'm 43 years old. And over the last couple of years, I've, I've sort of found my purpose in life. So you very kindly set out all of the hats that I, I tend to wear and all of the things that I tend to do. But for me, my main sort of purpose at the moment is, you know, I'm a single dad to two young kids and everything else outside of that nearly at this point in time, whilst we're having this conversation, is just the journey of life. It's just things that I do. And I'm someone who's immersed in self-improvement and I'm extremely open-minded. So the way I sort of approach living at the moment is, you know, it's, if I can, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really enjoying the kids at the moment. So they're at a brilliant age, they're seven and 10. And if I can do that job really, really, really well, then I know all of the other characteristics that I've acquired in the last 25 years. If I apply myself, I'm confident that I will achieve and I can achieve whatever I want to achieve. So I didn't set out to break it down like that, but the way I'm sort of looking at things at the moment is, you know, I've got my own family private life, which is, you know, a real pleasure and honor. And then everything else that I do with the, the MS and, and the healing journey and my businesses and, you know, my mentoring and speaking to people and the politics and all that sort of stuff. It's just stuff that I'm really fascinated and I'm really interested in. And I'm interested in adding value to each of those things, which I, which I think, which I think I do. And I think I've quite a bit to offer. So that's sort of how I sort of box myself at the moment, those sort of two areas, which hopefully it makes some sense. Absolutely. And I think it's really important to say like all of this gets built on the foundation of health. And I'd like to set the context for people because it's only so often when we have the absence of health that all of those other things get thrown up in the air and we we have actually an appreciation for what good health means. Just for a moment, could I pull you back to your late 20s um, and ask you to describe to people kind of where you were at in life, in your career, and then the major curveball that got thrown your way because the rest of our conversation will make a lot more sense with that context. Yeah, so I think um, 15 years ago, I was I was 28 years old. And up until that point, I was doing really well in life, I would suggest. I was, I was always uh, quite good at sport. Um, I, I was always very competitive. I was playing semi-professional football. I, I was an academic, so I became a chartered surveyor. And I was, I was doing really well. That was the Celtic Tiger years when I was a director in a property company. I was good money, good salary. So everything seemed to be going really, really well. And then I had that point in time in my life when I hit my wall. And whenever you hit your wall and 
in, in your life that normally means that something huge happens and and it's normally very traumatic and difficult to deal with and for me that was an episode in Mauritius on holiday when my body it came under attack from its own immune system and over the next 12 months I became very sick now for the purposes of people listening to this podcast I'm going to suggest that every single person listening to this is going to hit their wall at some point in time uh, in their life some people actually hit it in their teens or before then some people hit it in their 20s maybe like yourself Jack and your story is a story which I get huge energy from and anytime we speak it's it's just amazing to talk to you but what you might be lucky enough to get to 50 and you have your hit your wall moment and actually uh, sometimes you can hit a wall more than once and for me I've 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 had that experience and um, from a, on a personal front with the breakdown of my marriage which was incredibly traumatic for me um, and then also dealing with the MS scenario with 28 so the last 15 years of my personal life um, dealing with health challenges and relationship challenges has been hugely traumatic and you know I'm, I'm, I'm very grateful that over the last number of years three or four years in particular I've been able to acquire the, the strength and the skill set and the characteristics and the, I've had the support network to get me to where I am today which is someone who's extremely grateful and strong and confident um, of I'm very hopeful of the next five to ten years uh, so that's maybe the context of, of of where I'm at in a few minutes right now yeah and it's fascinating to hear the place of hope that you exist in now because I know from the conversations we've had that that wasn't the place that you found yourself in for a number of years after that initial diagnosis. Um, there was times during that period when the traditional way that chronic disease pans out was being spoken about. People were telling you that, you know, life is going to be hard and that it's going to go downhill from here and you chose over time to challenge that i'd love you to maybe unpack a little bit about what that journey of going from the the grief and the upset of receiving a diagnosis like that to challenging it and going on this journey of healing and recovery has been like well so for, for anyone who's ever been sick or, or has been diagnosed or has had a hugely traumatic life-changing event, the, the conventional pathway uh, post-onset of illness or event is pretty straightforward. And it's normally along the lines of, you know, you need to take this form of medication. In my case, it was MS. And, you know, they tell you very early on that, you know, within 10 years, 25% of people that are diagnosed with MS are wheelchair-bound. And that, that conventional pathway is, is, is very set out. It's written down. It's textbook. And um, as a patient, then, it's, it's hugely traumatic, um, extremely uh, difficult to process, and creates an incredible amount of anxiety and fear and hope which is an amazing word, 
normally disappears on many occasions. What, what they don't tell you uh, whenever you are diagnosed or you get sick or you have a very traumatic life-changing event is that um, certain things and at times lots of things are possible that you think are impossible. And, you know, what I, what I call uh, scenarios where people are sick or have traumatic events, they're dream stealers. And what I, the, cha the challenge that I throw back at people then is, and I'm, I've done this, is that it doesn't have to be like that. And actually, you know, you can do lots of things that you are maybe thinking you cannot do. So what I say to people is, it's very, very important that you take back control and you educate yourself and become a student of the condition or the problem. And you try and, and ask all kinds of questions and really try and figure out your own pathway. What I'm not saying is to go against the advice of your medical team. That's clearly a huge part of the process. But being sick is a very lonely experience. And we spend most of our time on this planet on our own, talking to ourselves. So you don't have your conventional medical team around you all the time. So what are you going to do to supplement, complement that? And that's why I started to research and read books and speak to doctors and neurologists and challenge people and ask lots of questions, some comfortable, some uncomfortable, to get to a position where I am now where I can make informed decisions. So for me, life's about making informed decisions from a health perspective, from a business perspective, from a relationship perspective. It doesn't really matter. But it's important that whatever decision you make in your life is informed. And for me, Jack, over the last 15 years, I've got to a point now where, you know, I'm, I'm able to make informed decisions. And that's why probably about five years ago, I decided that I was going to stop the conventional way uh, pathway of dealing with my MS and switch to lifestyle medicine and that that was probably one of the most difficult uh, scariest moments of my own life because I was going against the grain and I was going against the advices of my medical team but at that time I had enough evidence and enough research and gut instinct and I was prepared to make that call and five years on for me personally that has worked out really 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 well so my advice is regardless of the condition challenge or event that has happened in your own life that it's really down to you nobody can fix you only yourself nobody can improve make your life better only yourself nobody can make you stronger only yourself nobody can make you more informed only yourself so you know, one of the things Jim Rohn talks about is to become self-sufficient. And that's something that illness puts on you. Uh, you don't have a lot of choice because regardless of how much love you have in your local network and your family and all the rest of it, it's you who has to wake up in the morning and decide to go on and to get through that day. And the challenge then is, well, how are you going to do that? And first of all, it's like doing an Ironman triathlon. You have to want to do it. So you have to want to do an Ironman. And then it's, how are you going to do that? What are you going to do that day? How are you going to get through that day? And I think it's, I, I talk about Jim Rohn a lot 
because um, he's one of my mentors and his work is fantastic. And he talks about people who are interested in things and people who are fascinated by things. And people who are interested in things, you know, they're going, oh, that's very interesting. Uh, and they want to find out that it works. But people who are fascinated in things, they want to find out, how does it work? And so for me, I'm fascinated about life. I'm fascinated about business. I'm fascinated about health. I'm fascinated about being a dad. Because I want to figure out, how, do you, how can you do that better? I'm, I'm interested in them all, but I'm more fascinated than if that makes sense. Sandspace will return after this brief message. Hi everyone, my name's Anita Fletcher. I'm a parent and coach and mother of four. I'd like to tell you about a podcast that I'll be hosting called Family Life, which is part of the Sound Space series. During my Family Life podcast, I'll be chatting with real people and experts covering a lot of topics, such as the important role that parents play in the workplace, should BMI be used against people when they're trying to adopt in Ireland and toxic stress in families. We have an array of fabulous guests, including sleep expert Lucy Wolf, parenting expert and author Dr. Mary O'Kane, NHS nurse and dietitian Lucy Upton and fertility expert Helena Tuberty. I myself look forward to chatting with all of these fabulous guests and I hope to connect with a lot of you along the way. So I'll see you at Family Life as part of this Soundspace series. All the reading that you've done and the research has led you to this place where you make a really informed decision, as you said, um, to apply lifestyle medicine. And, and lifestyle medicine comes in and becomes kind of the the backbone of the way that you set yourself up and it, it gives you um, the structure that you implement on a daily basis to allow you to have the health and energy to go on and pursue those other things that you said are so important in your life to tend to your family and to uh, engage in the other roles that you wear. Um, some of the things that we look at in in lifestyle medicine are our healthful eating so predominantly plant-based whole food diet we look at physical activity we look at managing our stress we look at the relationships that we keep um sleep and and avoiding risky substances and so what we might do is actually unpack a little bit of that and in your own life look at how you approached some of these things and and the impacts that we've had and the one that I'd love to start with because it's really prevalent in your approach is is that you became a plant-based advocate and you you turned towards a plant-based diet tell us a little bit about that okay so so everything that I do and everything that I've done um has always been researched and there's been due diligence taken. Um, and in relation to switching to plant-based diet, I mean, that wasn't something that I decided over a couple of months, said, well, I'll, I'll give this a go here and see how it goes. How that, how that whole journey manifested itself was, I came across a neurologist in America called Dr. Terry Wells, who was very interestingly diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. And over a period of time, her MS progressed 
and she became very debilitated. And she, she had access to all of the drugs going. And what Dr. Walls decided to do, she realized that this isn't, this isn't helping me. So what she decided to do was stop the drugs because as she is a, a doctor and a neurologist, she was, she's got this talk. So anyone interested in this conversation should go onto YouTube and Google or type in Dr. Terry Walls' name and the talk's called Minding Your Mitochondria. And this is where it's all at for me because we're talking about health today and we need to really drill down and talk about cell health because our, our body is really a combination of billions of cells. And the reality is whenever our cells die, we die. So surely then to keep it really simple, if our cells are really, really healthy, then we'll be really healthy. And what I found out from researching Dr. Walls' pathway was that she figured out that for cells to be healthy, the mitochondria, which is like the engine of the car in the cell, needs to be really happy and really healthy. And how you fire up your mitochondria and keep it going strong is through nutrition. And whenever I came across this, I'm going, Jesus, this makes a lot of sense to me. So to give you the short version, not only did Dr. Walls' progression stop, but within 18 months, she was out of her chair and cycling to work. So immediately that got my attention. And once you think about this, all illnesses are, infl are inflammation is inflammation is driving all illnesses. Depression, cancer, neurological disorders, diabetes, inflammation is a problem in all of those conditions. And doesn't it sound like a really good idea then if what we put in our mouth is as anti-inflammatory as possible. And what we know is through the science that meat and dairy products are highly inflammatory. So all a plant-based diet is where you're eating fruit, vegetables, nuts and seeds and legumes. So everything outside of meat and dairy products, it's the most anti-inflammatory diet that you can eat. And I understand that people are very passionate to the point nearly religious about food, and that's fine. But I thought it was a really interesting piece of work in terms of looking at Dr. Walls' recovery through nutrition and lifestyle plant-based medicine. And then, did I have the balls to do that myself? And what I found after 28 days, Jack, of transitioning, was if you talk to Anna's patients, a lot of them complain about brain fog, this brain fog in their head, this dizziness. And for me, after 28 to 30 days, that seemed to lift. And over the last five years, I have been very consistent and disciplined with my nutrition. And thankfully, my, a lot of the neurological problems that I was experiencing, lots of them have disappeared. And many others have, have disappeared to vital levels. So that's really been my journey, how I get into it, and then why I get into it, and then why I stick out of it. Amazing. Um, I think the... <laughs> To use a food analogy, the proof is in the pudding, um, and it's you know when when I meet you and so on, you know you're you're radiating in terms of like your your skin looks healthy, you look hydrated, you all of these things, and and think what we see on the outside 
can often be a reflection of what's going on in the inside in terms of skin quality and, and so on, um, what we see in someone's eyes and so on. Um, but you started to note very religiously the symptoms that you experience on a daily basis, um, the neurological symptoms that you note on a daily basis. And you've been doing this for, for years and years and years. And I'd be interested to understand the kind of changes that you saw in your symptoms as you began to adopt this this diet right so there's a couple of things i want to say here because it's really important i I think i think at some point in time people need to have a conversation with themselves um a real sober conversation to say you know who who are you and what are you doing and what do you want what are you going like seriously because it took a, a, a neurological problem to wake me up. And because I was idling and just coasting through life, taking everything for granted. And then all of a sudden it's shut down and taken from you. And, you know, I think, I think in life, um, we're all going to have lots of different challenges. But on a, on a personal perspective, I think I did that inventory about three or four years ago. And it was only whenever I started to be honest with myself, Jack, and started to figure out what I actually want out of life. And there, there's lots of different things going on in people's lives. It's a very, life is difficult and it's challenging. And there's lots of pressures on people. There's pressures in business. Do I start my own business? Or do I continue to be an employee? I'm sure I have business owners listening to us today. I'm sure I have employees listening to us today. You don't have to be an entrepreneur. There's nothing wrong with being an employee. What I would suggest to you is, why not be the best at what you do and really enjoy what you do? So I think there's lots in, in, in that, Jack, but I think, I think it's very important that people really do a personal inventory of themselves on their own. And that's why you asked me about diarizing. And whenever, particularly whenever you're ill and sick, it's very hard to quantify what's working and what's not working. And that's why over the last 15 years, I've been keeping a diary most nights, most weeks of my symptoms and my improvement. Am I getting better? Is my numbness disappearing? Is my head clearing? So I have years and years of diaries. So I would encourage people to, to keep a diary and to start writing things down. And even, even if you're not complaining of any disease or condition or traumatic event at the moment it's a very very interesting worthwhile exercise to do in terms of self-discovery because i think i know many people who go through their life and they don't really know who they are what they want or how they're going to get it or how they can improve things so for me i i'm i'm very comfortable now in my own skin and i I, i've got to a point where i know what i want and I'm very organized and I'm very grateful that I'm in that frame of mind. And I would suggest to people who are listening to this who maybe aren't in that frame of mind that, you know, there are ways to get into it. And I would really encourage people to go after that. Writing down and annotating, as you did in in your diary, the things that you want, it became clear that physical fitness is one of those things. And... Uh, not a man to do things by halves. Um, you decided that 
you would engage the athletic spirit that you had so strongly when you were younger and decided to go after uh, some pretty uh, big fitness goals and and pursuits that you would look to accomplish um tell us about your journey of initially getting out and running again and then moving towards triathlon and onto onto Ironman. I've done over 35 endurance races in the last 10 years, um, 10 marathons, a bunch of triathlons that progressed to seven Ironman races. And I think, I think what really helped me, uh, both in, in business and then dealing with a, a traumatic sort of illness was the environment I grew up in when I was young was sport, football, sport, sport, sport. Um, because whenever I was up against it, um, mentally and physically at 28, a lot of those characteristics that I maybe took for granted when I was a young boy stuck with me. And, you know, I think, I think that grinding and the characteristics that I had within me really helped me and maybe gave me an advantage of dealing with the trauma and the challenges that I was then facing. Um, and I think out of that then, would, there's probably some clues in that. One of, the, one of the things that really upset me was that I was a semi-professional footballer at the time when I got really sick. And the fact that I couldn't play football again was hard to take. You know, at that time, I couldn't really walk too far. Um, running was out of the question. But the fact that I was being told by my GP and neurologist that I wouldn't be able to play football again was just horrendous. Like, you know, it sounds small, but to me at that time, it crushed my brain. And, you know, that's why I suppose I'm passionate about this story and talking about this because we kicked off the conversation about the conventional pathway of how you're supposed to manage disease. And then I'm saying to you, there is no real conventional pathway because life is a journey and you just don't know what is going to happen. But you can actually create your own path. And I think if my story tells people anything is, you know, I'm the, I'm the architect of my own life and, and so are you and so is the listener. So it's really up to you. So I decided to run marathons because people with MS aren't supposed to be even running marathons. And you're not really supposed to be running, surely. So I says, well, fuck that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run a marathon. And then I ran 10. And then I thought it would be really, really motivational, inspirational if someone with MS could do a triathlon. I did the triathlon and that progressed to a half Ironman. And then I couldn't find anyone in the world who had done actually an Ironman with MS around that time. And I said, well, maybe I could be one of the first. And it would be amazing for me. It could would be the turning point in my life because if I could do an Ironman then I mean I could brag about it for the rest of my life because that's the rules Jack you know you're allowed to do that <laughs> um, uh, but it gave me an it gave me an incredible amount of confidence from a physical and a mental perspective it wasn't about the Ironman it was about can I achieve this goal which is massive and once I did that you know it sort of pushed me onto a new trajectory so you know, I would encourage people, I think goals are good. Uh, I think it's good to be accountable 
I think far too many people are in the comfort zone. I think all of us are only scratching the surface in terms of our own potential, me included. I think I'm only getting started. And I would just encourage people to get into this frame of mind, which I've mentioned a few times, because it's a great place to be. And of course, we're challenged. You're always going to be challenged physically, mentally, emotionally. But if you're curious like me and you have a passion and a purpose, if you don't have a passion or a purpose, try and figure out what that is. But if you do have a passion and a purpose, then life is, is just an incredible gift. And maybe it takes a traumatic event or a, a traumatic situation or, or trauma to get you there. You've said so much there, and my sense is that part of the physical activity was in terms of coming to terms with and managing the stress um, associated with um, life as well and and that it becomes a fantastic way of of building the relationship that you have with yourself and that sense of accountability to yourself and respecting yourself almost all of this is environmental design all of the things that you're really talking about is changing the environment and um the same is true in in leadership they they say you know um if you want to change the dance change the music and uh it's it's the same uh in our personal lives you know if, if you want to change the outcomes begin to change the environment and you've done that bit by bit um in terms of in terms of your diet in terms of the approach to your physical health and and challenging those things um a lot of that exercise is energy going out and i think people often perceive that if you're if you're training um in in a a, de- a deliberate way like that that it's a lot of energy going out um recovery is equally as important though for people because you're trying to perform as a parent and in the business world and so on as well. Um, at, which, at what point does it become really apparent to you that sleep is just an essential pillar in all of this? In 2010 and 2014, I had the privilege of speaking at a number of international pharmaceutical conferences on behalf of the drug manufacturer of the drug I was taking at the time. I used to present to lots of doctors and neurologists and pharmaceutical reps, but I remember there was a slide that I had in my presentation, which basically said that most scientists and doctors believe that 75% of illnesses come from the environment. And what is your environment? So your environment is what we eat, what we drink, how we sleep and think and interact with people and how we move. That's our environment, right? So all these diseases are coming around as a result of Maybe we're overeating or not drinking enough or not moving enough or whatever. And I thought that was really, really interesting. And then the second piece of work that I came across was Dr. Gabor Mate, who is one of the top addiction physicians in a Montreal clinic. He's really internationally well-known. And he's, he talks about the fact that we are all children and products of our environment. And what, what he was basically saying was he's, he, he specializes in addiction. And the interesting thing about his work is that he is saying that 
whenever the child's in the womb, for example, if the mother is experiencing high levels of anxiety, that can be transferred to the child in the womb and that child can be born an anxious baby. And for me, that kind, that kind of work and that kind of stuff blew my mind. So one of the things, for example, I've done at home in my, my own house with my two kids is I've changed my environment. It is a healthy, positive environment. And what I say to people is, who are interested in their health and they're interested in their well-being is to ask themselves, what kind of environment are you keeping? What's your, what's your friend network like? Have you got two or three friends who are texting and ringing you, giving out all the time? Is it constantly negative news that you're taking on board? What kind of food are you eating? Are you exercising? The question you asked me was about sleep. That's something that I knew very little about up until I read Dr. Matthew Walker's book, Why We Sleep. And I'm interested in sleep because as an entrepreneur and a business owner, it used to annoy me that some entrepreneurs wear it as a badge of honor because they can sleep for three or four hours a night. And the problem with that kind of thinking is we have the science now, and it's no coincidence that people like Margaret Thatcher and Ronald Reagan and other world leaders who did only sleep for three or four hours a night then went on to develop dementia and brain diseases. So whenever I read Matthew Walker's book, it blew my mind again because it's when we sleep that all of the healing takes place. So although I lead an active life, I would suggest to you that I'm actually not exercising as much as my Instagram suggests. And what I mean by that is I'm actually, I do about 45 minutes of exercise every day. It's not a lot, but I do it consistently and I do it every day. And what I've been trying to do in the last 12 months is to really work on my sleep. And one of the things I did to improve my sleep was I, I took my mobile phone out of my bedroom and, you know, I try and get to bed earlier and I try and work on my sleep because a lot of people, Jack, struggle with sleep. And there's, there's a reason why people don't sleep well, lots of different reasons. But for me, I have really improved my sleep in the last 12 months. And I personally feel that I'm getting health benefits of that investment. And the investment was really trying to figure out, well, is it beneficial sleep? Yes, it is. And then how can I improve it? And you can figure out how to do all those things, but you have to want to do it. And then you have to do the work to understand how it works. Connor, I would love to spend the day just chatting because I think you've got so much packed into your story, um, but we just don't have the scope on this on this episode today. Um, if people want to find out more about you and your journey and some of the things you've been up to, um, where can they go? ConnorDevine.com uh, is my website and I'm on all of the social media uh, channels. Uh, I suppose on LinkedIn, uh, it's where I do most of my business stuff. And then um, on Instagram and, and Facebook, you'll see my health journey. Fantastic. And Connor, I just want to thank you for being, from my perspective, an ambassador for hope, an ambassador for the way in which people can 
persevere and continue during times of real challenge in their lives and also for being such an ambassador for um, changing the perception of what it means to live with a chronic disease at times um, and for the benefit of exercise of diet and of managing i suppose our stress and recovery through through sleep and and good relationships in the world um your kids are really lucky to have you as a role model well thank you i just want to leave i want to leave you with this and your listeners for this thought no matter how bad things are today tomorrow no matter how how dark things are my advice is to hold on to that glimmer of hope that things can and will improve. I really struggled with that for years, Jack, because you get people like me who do say those kinds of things, but it actually works. It actually works because I'm proof of it. You're proof of it. And people who are listening to this are actually proof themselves because I think people don't give themselves enough pats in the back to where they've got to already and what they have overcome to date. So all we are really then is signposts of encouragement for them to continue on the battle and that is the journey of life. Connor Devine, thank you very much. My pleasure, man. Thank you for joining us. In this episode, we spoke to Connor Devine about maintaining hope in times of uncertainty, his journey alongside MS, the value of lifestyle medicine in managing our mental, emotional and physical health, and importantly, gaining clarity over time on who you are, what you want, and how you're going to go about achieving it. We encourage you to liaise with your medical team before making any changes to your own treatment approaches in any ailments or conditions you may be engaged with in your own life. Connor's journey is just that, his own, and it's important that you treat your own journey in a similar fashion. We hope you enjoyed it. Stay tuned for more. This podcast was brought to you by Soundspace. The go-to place for all the latest podcasts on topics such as mental well-being, nourishment, parenting and health and fitness.